0: You're thinking, oh, my goodness, here comes the boring part where that guy gets up and talks. And the other half of you are thinking, why is the substitute lunch lady here? Um, If you have a small child, by the way, who is heading down to Children's Church, somebody should be taking them, maybe. Am I wrong? Gina, who is awesome, will be taking kids to Children's Church. So if you want to send your kids down, that does not include high school kids. Uh, those of you all, yeah, we also have nursery if you need it. Uh, this is, let me see if I can get my stuff rolling. I am way off base at the moment. I'm trying to get my stuff together. I apologize. I'm not usually this chaotic, no matter what the people around me say. Okay. Um, many years ago, uh, I graduated from high school. It was like 10 years ago, okay? And then I went on to college, and I had a very specific plan about how things were going to go and where I was going to end up, and they did not work out, um, which is unfortunate. Uh, a great deal of frustration went into things not working out. Believe it or not, I graduated from high school planning on going to school to be a minister. And you might look and say, well, aren't you standing in front of the church right now, and "And aren't you doing that? I'm going to tell you, it took me forever. To get to this place. I had plans and there's this old proverb, right? Like man makes plans and God laughs. Um, I went into college and I failed Greek. Not only did I fail Greek, I failed Greek so colossally that the professor who went to college with my dad pulled me aside and said, I will give you a D minus as a present. If you promise not to take Greek again, and in order to go to seminary, you have to pass some basic languages. And so I did not go to seminary. And my plan in life, which had been running for years and years and years at this point, uh, went away. Anybody ever do that? Oh, anybody got plans today? <laughs> um, I did get here, uh, but it took me a while. Um, We're going to be in the book of Acts today. I have a policy. I do not change course on the way uh, through a book. And so I've been preaching through the book of Acts. I'm going to continue with what I'm talking about. And I generally just hope really hard that it fits special occasions. Afterwards, let me know if I missed the point. Everybody with me? Um, So a little background uh, before we get into our text The book of Acts is the story of the growth of the church. It was written by a guy named Luke who was a doctor and had been a slave before he became um, an apostle, right? And so Luke traveled around with Paul and he asked people about things and he wrote books about what he was able to gather from his interviews. And so the book of Luke in the Bible was written by Luke from interviews he did. And the book of Acts, some of it he's present for, and some of it is interviews. Um, And it basically tells the story of the church expanding from a tiny little Jewish community in Jerusalem to, like, this worldwide thing. Everybody with me? Anybody fallen asleep yet? Those of you guys who are heading to college, the ability to nod, I'm awake, and sleep at the same time is a talent you need, and I will happily train you in this every Sunday morning until you leave, if you would like. Um, (laughs) So, a little earlier in the book, there was a, like, the church was growing in Jerusalem, which is this city in the Middle East, and um, as the church was growing, uh, there were two sections. There was the super Jewish section, and then there was what was called the Hellenized section, right? Right. And in Montana terms, these would be local folks and not local folks. You know who I'm talking about? I mean, everybody who's from here knows who isn't from here, right? And everybody who's not from here knows that everybody knows you're not from here. Anybody who's upset by that, I apologize for breaking hard truths. Let's see if I can come up with some better ones before I'm done. Um, The Hellenized church were Jewish folks who were exposed to Greek culture and had adopted the Greek language and all kinds of other elements of, like, the Greek world. And so they were, like, super Greek Jewish believers. And the Hellenized church was separate from the Jewish church in Israel or in Jerusalem, and there was conflict that came out. And they were persecuted. And there was one fella in particular who led that charge. His name was, does anybody know? Saul. Also, Paul. Um, It's just actually a Greek-Hebrew variation of the same name. Um, And so, like, Saul is involved in the first, like, killing of a Christian, a guy named Stephen. They dragged him out and slowly rocked him to sleep. They, They stoned him to death. They hit him with rocks until he died. It was a joke, but it was maybe an inside joke or not a very good one. Um... And so, like, Saul was involved in the execution of Paul, and then when Saul, uh, or not the execution of Paul, the execution of Stephen, I am really awake today. Um, When Stephen was executed, Saul then went and persecuted people everywhere to the point where he was kicking in people's doors and dragging them off to jail along with their women and children, right? Saul was a jerk, right? We all agree on this? The Hellenized church said, well, the heck with this, we're moving away. And they all moved, right? They moved all over the empire, and they basically disappear from the story for about five chapters. Um, In the meantime, this guy Saul is on his way to a city in Damascus, which is like 100 miles away from Jerusalem, to arrest some of the people who ran away to Damascus. And on the way, God blinded him and said... Why are you persecuting me, Paul, or Saul? And Saul says, well, who are you? And he says, well, I'm Jesus. I'm the one you're persecuting. And Saul groped blindly into the city, spent three days and nights blind in the dark. I assume in the dark. I don't know, most blind thing anyway. Um, and he comes out of it a believer. And Saul goes around and starts arguing with people and preaching and everything else. And they try to kill him, which is really ironic and kind of funny if you think about it. And in order to get away, they took Saul and they put him in a basket and they lowered him off of the wall of the city so he could get out. And then he went to Jerusalem and started preaching there. And everybody's like, Paul, you're on our team, knock it off. And then they were ready to kill him. And a fellow named Barnabas took Paul aside, dragged him to the port nearby, put him on a boat, and sent him to his hometown. Because otherwise, he was going to get killed. Everybody still following? This is the backstory because some of y'all haven't heard the rest of this. Because where we're going to pick up is interesting. Paul is this guy who's told by God, I have a job for you. And it's a big job. And then he disappears from the story for more than 10 years. He is gone for a decade. He goes up to Tarsus and the region of, Cil- of Cilicia, and he hangs out for a long time um, and just disappears. Um, and meanwhile, the story continues. So that is where we are. Uh, before we get to the Acts text, though, we're going to read a passage some of you guys may have heard this week. Did anybody get really weird religious cards or gifts for your graduation? One of the most popular graduation verses is this. I have, for my own seminary graduation, a sign, a picture in my office with this text on it. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and the future. Everybody know this one? Anybody get it? Like no one? Really? Wait till after today. When you open your gifts and you see this verse, remember this, okay? Because it sounds really inspirational, doesn't it? I mean, like, that's the kind of thing you want to hear as you're going off to college. Like, God has plans for me, plans to prosper me and not to ruin me. That's wonderful. So the original context for this, the prophet Jeremiah related this. It was God's like, all right, Jeremiah, go tell the people this. And what had happened was the Jewish people were in a mess. They had been rebelling against God. and They'd really ticked God off. And he'd warned them, warned them, warned them, warned them, warned them. And eventually he says, you know what? I give up. I'm going to send this nation Babylon to come and burn your whole country down. And then he's going to take you all the way as slaves. And you're going to hang out in their home country for 70 years. And you pretty much earned this. Right? Anybody ever get your parents really mad? Like this is that. I know, Titus, you don't even need to say anything. So, we're going to read it in context. The three rules for understanding the Bible are read it in context, read it in context, and anybody want to guess the third one? Very good. This is what the Lord says. When 70 years are completed for Babylon, I will come to you and fulfill my good promise to bring you back to this place. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me, and when you seek me with all your heart, I will be found by you, declares the Lord, and will bring you back from captivity. After how many years? I will gather you from all the nations and places where I have banished you, declares the Lord. And I will bring you back to the place from which I carried you in exile. So what the verse means is the next couple of years are going to be rough. And I'm going to kill most of you. But don't worry. There's a reason. And that reason is to prosper you and make your life better. But you don't understand that yet. Anybody ever have your parents say that to you? Or everybody who's below a certain age? I'm doing this for your own good. This hurts me more than it hurts you. Anybody ever believe that? (laughs) This is that moment. And some of you guys are going to get coffee mugs that say... Or, you know, notebooks or journals or T-shirts or signs to hang up in your office. I have one. And I look at it every day when I talk to people so I remember. Sometimes God's plans for you will not be easy. And here's my graduation moment, guys. A lot of y'all are going to leave. And you're going to end up where God wants you to go. But you're going to detour along the way. Or you're not going to end up at the place you thought. You're going to end up somewhere better. Or God is going to surprise you with a completely different direction. But if it is true that God watches, if it is true that God has a plan, if it is true that God is, like, in control, then as long as we walk along with him, we'll end up where we're going. Everybody with me? That was my graduation moment. It's really hard to shoehorn graduation stuff into just any old text. So, book of Acts. Now, those who had been... Scattered by the persecution that broke out when Stephen was killed, traveled as far as Phoenicia, Cyprus, and Antioch, spreading the word only among the Jews. Some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch and began to speak to Greeks also, telling them the good news about the Lord Jesus. The Lord's hand was with them, and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. Now, a couple of things in this, right? I'm going to explain as we go. I'm not just going to read a bunch of stuff and prattle on and tell weird stories about my high school experience. Um, A couple of things. These are people who were spread out when Stephen was killed and like when all that persecution broke out. Who did it? Paul, right? Or Saul, depending on what you want to call him, but it's the same guy, right? And so these guys, Went from, oh my gosh, we have figured out how to follow God without all the crazy rules. And like we understand now that, and get this. Because most people avoid church because they're afraid of having to sit and hear about how awful they are. Anybody ever do that? Right? Or like the boring stuff that goes with it. Like the reality is that the story these people had heard, the gospel is, believe in Jesus, follow him, and you're forgiven. And you're adopted into God's family, and he loves you. Because every rotten thing I've ever, uh, ever done, every rotten thing you've ever done, Jesus was punished for all of that stuff on the cross. Like the whole cross thing is about Jesus getting punished in my place. And when God looks at me then, if I'm Jesus' guy, he looks at me and he sees his goodness. It's like, and some of you maybe would like to do this. If you were to break into the high school today and go to the permanent record file, which is in that giant vault hidden in the offices. Jeremy has a key, talk to him afterward. And you were to take that file and pull out yours, and scratch out your name, and write, I think Alicia did really well in school, Alicia's name on it, and stick it back in, and take her file and write your name on it, and then people are like, wow, you got A's? Yeah, that, that's what happened. People look at uh, or God looks at me, and he sees Jesus' permanent record. And he looked at Jesus on the cross, and he saw Jesus's—or my permanent record, And that's what the gospel is. And so these guys who are like, oh, my gosh, God loves me, and God has, like, forgiven me, and he hasn't forgotten about me, and I don't have to follow a million rules that I know I'm going to screw up at anyway, like, in order to earn God's love, he just loves me. That's awesome. And these guys are probably really excited. And then all of a sudden, this guy Paul starts kicking in their doors and murdering them. And a lot of them are probably like, God, what gives? Any y'all ever had that where it seems like everything is good and you're like, God, I know what's going on. And then your door gets kicked in and you're like, what the heck just happened? But we know there's a basic truth that God has plans for his people. And in this case, these guys spread out all over the empire and they preach. They tell people about the good news, this news like, hey, God loves us. God doesn't hate us. God isn't crushing us. We don't have to follow a million rules in order to be okay before God. He just loves us and wants to know us. That's it. And amazingly, it was popular, and the church started to grow. Um, There are a bunch of cities mentioned here. Uh, Phoenicia, Cyprus, Antioch, spreading the word, right? So they went everywhere. Only among the Jews, some of them, however, men from Cyprus and Cyrene, went to Antioch. And began to speak to the Greeks. So Cyprus and Cyrene are um, Roman colonies that are not, like, overtly Jewish. And so these guys went out and talked to other people who weren't super Jewish. I'm going to give you some reference here. I was going to bring a laser pointer. You know how often you get to use a laser pointer in regular life? And I bought one a few months ago, and I keep thinking, I need to use it, I need to use it, and I lost it. And so this is me not having a laser pointer, but I'm going to point Cyrene, people came from Cyrene, which is here. This is like not even in Egypt, it's in North Africa. So guys from there went over to Antioch to talk to folks, right? They were a long way from home. By the way, probably it was the case that they thought life is going to be easy now. Anybody feel that way as you walk out of high school? Everything will be easy. Guess what? The training wheels in life are getting taken off today, Right? And then, actually, when you get out of college, they set the bike on fire. Just a heads up. Um, (laughs) This is Cyprus. It's a little island about 100 miles off of the coast here, which means these are guys who are not from Antioch. They were pushed into a new town. That new town is right here. It's in North Syria, This is like roughly where Jerusalem is right here. So they've gone a long way, right? Everybody is pushed way out of their comfort zones. Being way out of your comfort zone is really hard. And it is a great opportunity to do stupid stuff. Anyone? No amen? Seriously? But these guys took who they were with them. And instead of walking into these new places and being influenced badly, they walked into these new places and they took who they were and what they were and they inflicted it on the world around them. Some of y'all are going places that are not Big Sandy. Some of y'all ain't going anywhere but Big Sandy, but whatever. Um, Some of y'all are going other places and you are going to take who you are with you And you are going to make the world better because of who you are. Or you will let the world make you worse because of who they are. I'm not saying don't learn. I'm not saying don't grow. I'm not saying don't explore. Don't discover. I am saying don't lose yourself. Because if God has a plan for you, you can get lost. I thought for sure I would be a pastor at some point. And it took me decades to get there. And the whole journey was worth it. I got a wife out of the deal. I got kids out of the deal. I did a whole bunch of awesome stuff and traveled to cool places. But it took me forever to get where I wanted to go. And I believe this is what God called me to do. But sometimes we have to detour. By the way, Antioch, where our story is taking place, is right next to a place called Tarsus. Tarsus is where Paul went. So these guys who have all been persecuted ran away to Antioch down the street ...from where their persecutor ended up when he got chased out of town. And they're right next door. This is going to be funny. Now watch it. News of this reached the church in Jerusalem, and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. Barnabas is the guy who shoved Paul onto a boat and made him leave. Right? When he arrived and saw that the great, what the grace of God had done, he was glad and encouraged them all. Which is kind of a joke because Barnabas, the name, means son of encouragement. So he gets there and the son of encouragement encourages everyone. Who would have thought it? He encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord and in their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith. And a great number of people were brought to the Lord. So Barnabas shows up, and he makes it better. He walks into Antioch, and things get better and better and better. And all of a sudden, all of this stuff is getting huge. And it's so huge, they can't manage it anymore. Right? You ever get to that point where you're like trying to run things and it's just too much? Um, Now remember, he's dealing with a church planted by guys that Paul chased off. He's the guy who shoved Paul in a boat, and then we turn around, and what he does is, then Barnabas went to Tarsus to look for Saul, and when he found him, he brought him to Antioch. Do you think that was a welcome home party kind of thing? Hey, weren't you the guy who killed our friend Stephen? Hey, weren't you the guy who kicked in my door and arrested my wife? Anniversary? Anniversary. Oh, it was like a family reunion, actually. He brought him to Antioch. So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. The disciples the disciples were called Christians first at Antioch. A little bit of trivia. They were first called Christians. They did not call themselves Christians. The church did not call itself Christian until into the second century. Um, and there's a guy who wrote a bunch of letters to different churches. He was a student of John, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and he was, uh, yeah, he was a student of John and he, uh, started using the term Christian, but for the most part, it was what everybody called them. And I a N means identified with. And so there were Herodians, which means people who are identified with Herod, right? Um, there are a bunch of examples of this. This is just a weird label. They came up with meaning people who are associated with that Jesus person or Christ person. Um, so he goes and, He is preaching there and all of a sudden a new label shows up and they are present and they are enough. They are a big enough presence. They are a big enough impact that people start noticing and talking about them. Now, this is over 10 years later. So Paul has been out of the story for 10 years. It is several years after these guys had been dispersed. All kinds of stuff has happened. But Paul, who was told by God, I'm going to use you in a big way went and did nothing for a decade, right? The best things you will do in your life, you'll have to grow into. You'll have to walk with God and have him grow you. If I become a pastor the day I walked out of college, you could talk to my wife and ask her how that would have gone, but I'm thinking flaming merry-go-round. God did better with his plans than mine. It is the case that those of us who say, well, God, you get to be in charge. I will trust you. He will do better than what we thought he would do. He may not give us what we want right away. He might spend decades preparing us. He might spend years preparing us. You might give up on your going to seminary idea and that major in college and get a philosophy degree instead and then discover that was useless too. Um, but eventually God will use it, probably. The trick is you've got to walk with him. It is very easy to say, I'm going to go and do my own thing. I believe that Jesus guy is real, but I'm going to let him hang out over here, and I'm going to go over here and do my thing, right? And then get mad when he's ignoring you or when he's letting you fall off a cliff, right? My kids will do that sometimes. Like they'll get a whole thing of gummy bears and then they'll sit on the couch and eat an entire thing of gummy bears playing Xbox and then get mad at me because they have a stomach ache. And it's like, well, dude, I didn't buy the gummy bears and I didn't shove them in your mouth and you didn't share them with me and you will get no sympathy from me, Josh. Um, I'm just making sure he's paying attention. But I remember that. I remember saying, God, why is my life this way? And then I had to back up and say, oh, yeah, I'm doing my thing. As you walk out the door today, as you walk across the stage tonight, as you go off to college in a few months or next week or whatever, as you join the Army, as you go to trade schools, you do whatever, um, understand you're going with a giant eye in the sky watching you. Someone who loves you the way your parents do on their best days loving you. And he's got a plan. That plan might involve learning hard things. If you walk with him, that plan will turn into better things than you ever imagined. Does that mean I'll be president of the United States? Number one, it's not that good of a job anymore. I've seen who's done it. That was not a joke about anyone in particular. It was just a joke. Don't get mad at me. It was just a joke. Just a joke. Don't get mad at me. I hate politics. But it was funny. Um, I'm not saying you'll necessarily become president. I thought I would be pastoring over a giant church and be on TV and everything else. I didn't actually think that. A small town in Montana is better than anything I thought I would ever have myself. Right? Did not marry a supermodel, I married someone better. Much better, much prettier. She's not here, she can't hear me. Um, <laughs> I'm going to close up here. actually, I got three more verses, but I think I'm going to like run short as my graduation gift to the room. What do you do with all this? Like what is going on? First off, understand, understand. God is a little like your parents in a lot of ways, right? Because your parents stand in God's place. That's their job, is to be God's representative in your life. Right? And your parents absolutely want the best for you. Parents in the room, am I telling the truth? They want you to be everything you were made to be. They want you to live up to every ounce of potential. They want you to, like, reach the stars and beyond. And they believe in you, even if they don't know how to say it. By the way, the best graduation gift a dad can give to his son is to say, I'm proud of you. And if you've never done that, do it before you walk out the door today. Um, But they believe in you and they want the best for you. God is in the same boat. And so just inflate it times a million and realize that as you, like, begin your life, He's got a plan. He's established a way through Jesus for us to walk with him without having to do crazy stuff. And if we walk with him, we can infect the world around us to the point that they've got to come up with a label to talk about us because it's impossible to ignore who we are. I'm hoping for big Sandians, but we'll see. Trust God. Walk with him. Lean on him. Understand that Every detour and every sideways trip and every crazy thing that happens along the way is an opportunity for him to work in you or for you to run away from him. Always a choice, right? My challenge for you today, for those of you guys who are graduating, and I did a graduation sermon using a random text that just happened to be next is to remember, like, if you trust him, he will get you where you're going. It may not be where you thought it was going to be. It may be farmer. It may be astronaut. It may be, God forbid, president. You don't know. Trust him. Look for his directions. Get to know him. Follow him. Don't let the world infect you and become somebody you're not. You will end up walking with him no matter where it is. It'll be where you belong. Because He has a plan for you. A plan to prosper you. It might involve a few years of working in a factory. It might involve changing majors, which is awful. It might involve a lot of things you don't expect. But it's a plan that'll prosper you if you just trust Him and walk in it. Close in prayer and I'll let you go. Heavenly Father, uh, I uh, I pray that anything that, that folks caught um, out of what I'm saying, that it came from you. I'm praying that that uh, any words that came out of my mouth, that they reflected what you wanted. I pray that folks who are here that that uh, heard me talk and would, would lean on you in the coming months. pray that you bless our kids as they go out into the world, as they go out to work, as they go out to, to learn, as they go out to be something better. And I pray that you would bless them in that process. Walk with them, give them grace. Um, Lord God, if if where they're going is here, I pray that they would recognize that if that's your plan, that's the best place to be. Um, Lord God, I would rather be in your well than in a ditch than at the top of the world on my own. Help these folks to understand that that is the best place to be. Help them to understand also that Jesus is with them, um, whether they want him there or not, and they'll walk with him whether they want him to or not. And they'll constantly tap him on the shoulder. Help him to hear that tapping or feel that tapping and hear your voice. In Christ's name, amen.